The Guardian. This is Guardian Election Daily. Hello there, uh, this is Michael White and I'm here to say welcome to today's Guardian Election podcast. Uh, I'm standing in an extraordinary space the inside of the old Battersea Power Station. Everybody knows those four creamy white towers. They've been trying to find something to do with this building ever since it closed down over 20 years ago. It's a wonderful structure. Inside it is one of those improvised plastic and canvas steel structured tents, an enormous tent uh, put up by the developers to interest people in the site, but being used today by the Conservatives for their election uh, manifesto launch. We're waiting for the launch in a few minutes. Uh, Everyone is sitting around here uh, uh, drinking uh, coffee and uh, croissants at the Tories' expense. Let's hear now from David Cameron and his team. We can deal with our debts. We can mend our broken society. We can restore faith in our shattered political system. But only if millions of people are fired up and inspired to play their part in our nation's future. And the manifesto we are publishing today is, yes, a plan to change Britain for the better, but not in the traditional way. It is not a traditional manifesto. It's something different, very different. We don't stand here and make the usual politicians' promises. We do not say, give us your vote and we will solve all your problems. We say something different. We say no government can solve all the problems on its own. No individual can solve all the problems on their own. We say we are all in this together. So come with us and we will build a better country together. We want everyone to get involved. We need everyone to get involved. That is why we've called this manifesto an invitation to join the government of Britain. It is an invitation to every young woman or man with a business idea. We'll give you the power to start up, to take people on, to do well for yourself and to get our economy moving too. If you vote Conservative on May the 6th, you're not just voting to change the government. You're voting to change the whole system. People power, not state power. Big society, not big government. We're all in this together. Government, yes, has an important role to play, but the people's role is even bigger. Together, we can get rid of our debts, get the economy moving, mend our broken society, even make politics and politicians work better. So please, accept this invitation and join us in forming the next government of Britain. Thank you. Um, Let's have Nick Watt from The Guardian. Thank you. Um, In a sense, today you've announced that should you win the election, you will appoint an extra 24th member of the cabinet and that extra person will be the British people. Are you not concerned that when you ask that member of your cabinet to sign up to what will be the most severe spending cuts in 30 to 40 years, that they might walk out? And that today, what you need to do is not have a love-in with the British people, but spell out to them in clear terms what those cuts will mean. Well, Nick, you've been um, out on the road with me, not just 
in recent months, but over the last couple of years, where I've done public meetings, Cameron Direct public meetings, I think I've done 72 in the last couple of years in every part of the country. And when I'm asked questions about the budget deficit and about spending, I am very frank with people. I do say, yes, we're going to increase health spending by more than inflation, but that's not as much as recent years, and it will mean we have to be efficient and effective in the way that we run the health service. And I do say to people, as I answered a question earlier, there are difficult decisions that we have made about asking people to retire a year earlier from 2016, about not paying um, some of the benefits to families over 50,000. You know, we have, we have said these difficult things because I do want us to take the country with us in dealing with the budget deficit. Um, I've said many times, press conferences you've been at, and I think the public have heard that from the Conservatives. They know that we get it. They know we understand what a deep hole the country is in and that difficult decisions have to be made. And I, I think that we're in a much better place than any other party because we were more straightforward, more quickly about what needed to be done. Thank you very much indeed. Right, David Cameron's um, leaving the stage now. We've been in here an oh, hour and a half or more. Uh, pretty well everyone except Mrs Cameron has spoken. Um, He's been pretty good, really. Uh, I'm struck by how similar the tone of yesterday's events and today's are. Of course, they caricature each other's position, but Brown is interested in devolving power, just as Cameron is, and they'll both find it much harder than they think. But it's been a good atmosphere and uh, a bigger event than yesterday. But hey, it's closer to Fleet Street. It's in London, and that always encourages the tourists. First thoughts here from the uh, Guardian pundit Jonathan Friedland. Well, the most optimistic reading from David Cameron's own point of view would be that he is beginning to seal the deal, uh, that until now he had failed to do. This was quite a convincing performance. There are certainly big holes in it. Uh, this notion of the big society, which is the centrepiece, uh, that remains a question whether ordinary members of the British public are waiting to take onto their own shoulders the job currently done uh, by government. And, they, and the answer to that may be that they're just not. But his performance, the way he managed to get back to the kind of centrist messages that worked so well for him at the beginning of his leadership, talking again about, um, for example, the environment, but also stressing his commitment to the National Health Service, etc. Uh, he dealt with the concern that he wasn't a team player, slightly laboriously, by wheeling out one member after another of his shadow cabinet. Uh, it's too early to say he's opening up a lead, but you saw the beginnings of that process, I, I think, today. Right, David, here, you were there yesterday. Were you there at Labour's event? No, I wasn't at Labour's right, event. Right, you were fresh to it. How was it for you? Uh, that was my first sight ever of David Cameron. I've never seen him before. Oh, really? Yeah. A David Cameron virgin? Yeah. Tell us about what you've thought of him. Well, of course, I was fascinated by the physical positions, the lowering of the perineum, the slight, uh, you know, the bending at the knees when straining to make a point. Short on charm, I thought, considering that his charm has always been his long suit. What about plausibility, credibility? I don't... I mean, obviously, he's addressing a serious question, and the serious question is how do you reconcile individualism with some sense of social responsibility? And after whatever it is, 30 years of Thatcherite values essentially being the currency, I don't personally think exhortation is going to be the answer. But he is trying to move back to the centre ground. He's saying, we got the society bit wrong. There is such a thing yes. as society. Yeah. And that's, that's a change yeah. from Mrs Thatcher. Oh, yeah. There was a definite sound of Mrs Thatcher's body being thrown out of the back of the lorry. Thank you. I've got here Harshabai uh, Patel. He's the Tory candidate in Brent North. He can take it on a 4% swing. And um, he thinks he might. He's been the mayor. He's been a councillor. He knows stuff. First time standing for Parliament? Yes, I am standing for the first time. 
And how's it going so far? It is absolutely fantastic. Uh, the response at the doorsteps. What are they saying? They are just prepared to vote for me. Why you? Apart from your lovely smile. No, it's because I have worked in the community and on political arena. And uh, what do you think uh, the campaign, the big national campaign outside Brent, what's it taught us so far? Been a bit, been a bit quiet, hasn't it? In fact, uh, in so far as Brent North is concerned, so far national policy doesn't matter. People are very much concerned within their own local area. National policy doesn't matter when we've got this big uh, economic uh, crisis and the debt hanging over us. It is, it is fact. But people are very much concerned first about their own area, what's happening, and then they are looking at the national policies. We're outside uh, Battersea Power Station. People are streaming out, including. Dozens, if not hundreds, of young people of all ages wearing pale blue t-shirts. The colour is Cambridge University for boat race fans. And they're all streaming off like factory workers out of this factory-like building towards uh, the centre of London. But we're lucky enough to have a place on, on a bus. But we're still hunting for shadow cabinet members. Ah, there's Sir George Young. Let's grab him quickly. I thought it went really well. I thought David was particularly impressive, the way he handled those questions from your colleagues. He had a big right at the end. of emotion. And he, he, he feels passionately about the message. And I think that passion was infectious. And I thought it went really well. It's a fantastic launch. Ah, Greg Clark, uh, the man who once said the Tory party should uh, think more like Polly Toynbee. Oh, we got into trouble for that. Well, 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 what, what did you think of that? Well, I thought it was brilliant. The, um, the big society uh, stuff, I think, really captured it. He came alive, as you saw, when, uh, when answering that question as to how it all came together. Absolutely. And that was... That was authentically what is an offer in this. I think this manifesto, document, I'm a bit of a connoisseur of these things, having been... Uh, uh, Did you help to write this one? Uh, obviously my, my section um, of it. Um, but I think this will be one of the manifestos that in 40 years' time is looked back on as seven. Powerful, powerful talk. It's very idealistic in a way, getting everybody out. We want you to join the government. People don't want to join the government, do they? They want you to do it. They pay you to do it. I think people... I think there is a... I think there's an appetite for actually not contracting things out to someone else to do but actually to people to roll up the sleeves but I, but I think the philosophy in, in this I think we'll do 40 years time you, you and I may not be here but, but I, I think we'll be, be reading shall, this I shall manifesto. hold you to it thank you <laughs> Okay, we're back here at the uh, Conservative uh, uh, Central Office, CCHQ, which of course is Millbank Towers where the Labour Party used to run its elections when it still had more money than it does now. And we're still tracking, trying to track down shadow cabinet members. Uh, and whilst there's Francis Maud trying to cross the road. We've caught Francis Maud in the middle of a traffic island at Millbank. How did it go this morning? I think it was brilliant. Um, I, I, you could sense actually people seeing that there was very clearly, I noticed among the observers, um, a sense that there was a really strong, coherent theme here that runs throughout everything we've been saying for some years, that is really coming together, came over very strongly, very forcibly, in the sense that we really mean it. In one sentence it is? Well, it is that the, it isn't, the answers don't all lie with the state and the government. The answers lie in us doing things together. The government helping people, supporting people, but not actually doing everything. It is the big society, not big government. And when the TV reporter said, yeah, but do they want to be pulled away from the telly and the gardening, he had this big, passionate riff. Yes, and, and because that's born of going around the country all the time, as we all do, seeing what people already are doing and the difficulties they're face, facing and the odds that are placed against them, the amount of stuff that people are already just getting on and doing without any stimulus. So when you think 
though the government, what will happen when the government is positively supporting it, the opportunity, the potential is absolutely huge. I see you're looking for a cabin, you're in a hurry, I can <laughs> tell. Then the last point, example of what you've just said. Hey, well, I'd, I'd give you one example. Um, the other day I visited on the edge of Bristol uh, a social enterprise, small social enterprise, operating from a beaten up old sports pavilion with almost no statutory funding, with w amazing stuff happening, loads of voluntary activity, loads of community involvement, next door to a council-owned and run youth centre with £70,000 worth of money being spent on it and nobody using it. Put those two things together uh, actually get all that community involvement, the voluntary activity together with even some of that council money and you've got something which would multiply out of all recognition the activity that there is. Spirited Arthur, thank you. Thanks. David Wooding of the News of the World, you must have seen plenty of manifesto launches, what was that like? I thought the best bit was when he went off piste and he started telling us his great vision. It's the first bit of vision we've seen in this general election campaign so far. People are not yet. Uh, that engaged in this election. A lot of people are very switched off from this election, but they are longing to hear something positive, something concrete, something specific, something that will actually make a difference to their lives. And that's what this document is all about. It is unremittingly positive and optimistic and upbeat about what we can all achieve if we come together as a country. And I think it's doing something really important because I think the politicians have been treating the public like mugs for about 40 years, pretending that actually we, the politicians, have all the answers. Just give us some power, we'll pass another Queen's speech, we'll pass a few more laws, we'll issue some regulations, we'll spend a bit more money, and it will all get better. And it's a lie. It doesn't work like that. You only really change things if you bring people with you and if they play their part. Does anyone think we're going to crack crime by one more criminal justice bill or one more uh, police officer funded? We're only going to do it when the country comes together, when shopkeepers stop selling alcohol to kids, when we bring up our children properly, when we unleash social enterprises and charities to improve our communities. So it's a very optimistic, hopeful, forward-looking message that I don't think Labour have got a chance of matching. Glad I got that off my chest. He seemed generally worked up for a moment, didn't he? He did, and it he went on for about a minute and a half, and it was all straight from the heart, and it, well, he left his speech on the lectern and away he went, and I thought it was the most uh, motivating part of the whole... Spectrum. Were you in Birmingham yesterday? I wasn't, no, but I watched it on the TV. I saw, you guys, the I saw you guys all being heckled. That came over quite... He did that quite skillfully, quite skillfully I thought. Yeah. Turned the audience against us. Cameron made a little joke about that. He did, yes, um, because I thought it, I, I imagined it in football if you had uh, Alex Ferguson or Rafa Benitez being questioned by the sports media with all the football fans behind the back shouting, Yar boo, they wouldn't agree with any of the questions we ask. I'm well, a lifelong Liverpool yeah, fan course, here, aren't yes. I? Yes. Uh, any other distinction between the two that struck you? It's early days in this campaign? Well, more vision today, I thought, a lot more vision. Not sure whether the uh, do it yourself business will, will grab people. No, uh, none of us are, no, are we? No. I, I'm not sure. He's trying to say we'll we'll give more more power to the people, but could that mean we'll strip it all back to every man for himself? But I thought equally Browns was pretty devoid of any new ideas yesterday. It sounded like a tired government to me. Thank you. Meanwhile up in Sunderland the Guardian's Martin Wainwright has been out on the stump in Chris Mullins old seat. I'm in the Sunderland Central, which is a seat that's been mentioned as a, a long-range Tory target, which is quite interesting when you think about Sunderland and its reputation. I'm just stopping people at random. Excuse me, can I just quickly catch you? I'm, I'm from the Guardian newspaper, and I'm just doing a piece about the election. Um, Sunderland Central, which is this seat, has been mentioned as a, as a, as a very 
long-term possible Tory targets? Well, there's a possibility, simply because most people are fed up, totally fed up with the things that's supposed to have happened and never did. Mm-hmm. And give someone else a try. Why not? Is that partly, you know, that we've had uh, the same party in power for... Um, 12 or 13 years and therefore there's a natural feeling for change or are there specific things that you know like you say that they've said they'll do but they haven't well basically this area it's always been labour and the dads have always voted labour the granddads and so people just carry on but at present there's a lot of people complaining good well i've just been interviewing some voters um who quite an interesting range of people who talked about the need for change here in an area that's been labour uh, well, I think all my life, which is quite a long time now. And Not Lee- quite. For, 40 years. They've had the council for 40 years. They've had... The bit we're in was in Durham Council, so this one is probably as old as the, as old as the hills. But this is a ward. You know, we won first time by 29 votes. Right up, it's an old colliery ward. And this is probably... A similar mix to the rest of the constituency. Good. And, th- and this is Lee Martin talking, who's the, ch- the Tory challenger here, who jumped in straight away. And I think, in a way, that's typical of your campaign. I mean, you're young, you're energetic, and you seem to be kind of going for it here. I think we've got to. It's, it, it, if we win this seat, it'll be the first time in 50 years we've had a, a Conservative MP in Sunderland. And part of it is convincing people that we can win. Part of it's getting across that they're in a new seat that is winnable. And part of it's building on what we've been doing in Sunderland for... Certainly in six years I've been on council, which is setting out um, a, a vision of what we want to do for the city. And, you know, we're fighting it on ambitious for Sunderland. And if you talk to anyone in Sunderland, the thing that hits you is their pride, their passion and their ambition for the place. And that hasn't been reflected in our politicians. I'm with Chris Mullen, who's the outgoing Member of Parliament for um, Sunderland South, which has now ceased to exist as a constituency, but some of it has gone into the new Sunderland Central. Well, unless there's a meltdown, I think Labour will hold Sunderland Central. Um, we've got a very good candidate, Julie Elliott, with impeccable local roots. Uh, and also, people up here haven't quite forgotten what happened last time round. And uh, I think that will be a factor. Um, and with Julie Elliott, who's Labour's, um, well, thanks, Labour's candidate uh, for the new seat, um, Julie, how, how do you react to, um, I mean, people, Sunderland, people think Sunderland, yes, that's bound to be Labour, but the Tories have put this idea forward that, you know, uh, if things went really well for them, it's one they could get. I mean, what's your, what's your view about this? Uh, I think Sunderland is a Labour seat. I think the Tories are being a bit delusional, thinking it'll go Tory. It's a different kind of seat than we've had in the past with the boundary changes. It's a tighter seat, which means we have to work hard. But the type of person I am, I would have been working hard, whatever the boundaries were. And I guess, has that helped you in the sense that, you know, in, in, a, in a place where Labour could, you know, more or less take it for granted, uh, people might get a bit lazy. And, and so the troops are being kind of galvanised. I think it has galvanised members into working, but um, I've, I've never actually stood for election before, so I would have been out campaigning whatever kind of seat it was, because that's very much about what I am as a person. But um, yes, I think it has galvanised people. It's given people a little bit of focus and a bit of direction. That was Martin Wainwright in Sunderland, uh, talking up the Tory chances, I think. 
Right, all the parties have now scattered back to their boroughs where they're working, analysing each other's policies and statements and off-the-cuff remarks, looking for weakness, seeking to project their own stuff. They've disappeared from the view of the media and the public, not that the public's watching, uh, which gives me time to um, sum up my day. I turned up at half past seven to see uh, uh, Nick Clegg and Vince Cable announce their policies for taming the problem of bankers' bonuses, which they say, rightly in my view, incentivises risk and bad management in Britain's uh, financial sector, part of the problem which has caused the great crash. I was impressed by uh, Clegg. Uh, we know that Vince Cable's good on economic matters. Clegg was confident in his statement and in some of his answers. Uh, later, with time to kill, before the Tory uh, event in Battersea Power Station, I dropped into the Millbank Atrium. That's a little restaurant area below where all the television companies have their uh, Westminster offices. Uh, and uh, uh, this event in a very, very small room indeed, was the UKIP launched by Lord Pearson of Rannoch, whose wife it turns out to be standing as a candidate as well, somewhat younger than him, uh, and uh, Nigel Farage, the rascally uh, but likeable uh, MEP, who's standing against uh, John Burke, the Speaker in Buckingham, and lots of other candidates I'd never heard of. And again, as always with UKIP, it was a lively session. Here's a bit of it. After one week of the general election campaign, I don't want to be rude about the other parties. That's not my style. But it's no wonder that actually everybody is bored to death, because the first week was dominated by a debate about whether £6 billion went on employers' national insurance next year or not. So a big debate about £6 billion when the government next year is projected to spend £705 billion. Frankly, the campaign so far has been a piddling irrelevancy. And it's becoming increasingly clear that the choice the British public are being offered here is not for a change of government, but for a change of management. And we think that when it comes to the economy, it really is time for some straight talking. Frankly, we're skinned. Absolutely skinned. And we need some massive cutbacks in the public sector. And that's why our manifesto suggests that in year one, we need to cut back by £50 billion. Uh, we, we published a list of various quangos that we think do far more harm than good to this country that we'd like to see go. And we also point out that if we stop paying the European Union £45 million a day, well, there's your first £16 billion of it. A final thought for the day. Good launch by the Tories. Don't know how it'll play on the news tonight. That's important to watch. Dennis Healy once said to me in an election campaign, people like us politicians and you journalists are the only people who don't really know what's going on in the campaign because we're doing it. We're not watching it on television. Wise remarks then and ten times wiser in the age of 24-7 media and online and Twitter and all that stuff. It's the Lib Dems launch tomorrow. We'll be back for that. Thanks for listening. This is Mike White. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.